The positives, I guess, for me would be that we now know that manual therapy is a powerful tool in the hands of clinicians treating patients. As a part of this kind of multimodal package of care with education and, and exercise, and it can be safe, cost-effective, very quick to administer, and it helps patients to progress with their exercise in less pain faster. The narrative around manual therapy, as well as our understanding, has really shifted in the last 10 years. And to explore this, we had two guests on today. We had Kieran Richardson, who is a specialist musculoskeletal physiotherapist. He's also an educator and does wonderful work in the conservative management of ACLs. And we also have James Schombrook, who is a lecturer at the University of Adelaide and also has an education company called The Second Visit. And with the two gentlemen today, we discussed how we can still apply manual therapy in a BPS model and the helpful and unhelpful beliefs around manual therapy. I'm Michael Risk and this is Physio Explained. Welcome Kieran and James, thank you for joining us. Thanks Michael for inviting us. It's great to be here Michael. Our first double podcast, I'm pretty pumped and we're talking about manual therapy. So how has manual therapy progressed in, in your eyes over the last 10 years, both helpfully and unhelpfully? And I think, Kieran, you had a case that you wanted to use as, as an example. Yeah. Yeah. I thought I'd just kick off with a case study. Look, as someone who gives non-surgical opinions for patients and healthcare practitioners every day, pretty much, I just think this case is probably good in terms of how we can potentially strike a balance for clinicians. So I had this person come in and see me in private practice in Australia, who'd seen a physiotherapist and that had a six-year history of multi-site pain, including bilateral neck, shoulder, thoracic, SIJ, hip and knee. And in the car after her first session, she described bursting into tears, having interpreted the clinician's diagnosis and management as, he's telling me it's all in my head, but I genuinely have pain. So when I saw the patient, For me, she had restrictions in movements of of all those areas that I just mentioned. And then when I applied manual therapy to them, as well as some pretty basic reassurance and and movement-based exercises, within three sessions, she was reporting an 80% improvement. So I guess some key takeaways for me were she actually did want pain relief, specifically requesting hands-on. The manual therapy provided significant reduction in symptoms, improved her range, and quality of her movement as well. And I guess it proved to her that her symptoms were changeable, which kind of refuted the idea that for her, her pain was psychological and proved it to me. And that manual therapy was an effective part of the package of her care, despite her having this very long-term history. So obviously every case is different uh, and there's other ways that we could have managed her, but I guess it was a pretty simple and basic management strategy that could help change the trajectory of where her pain journey had gone to that point. So I just see lots of positives from recent discussions, really, both from an academic point of view and on social media about the judicious use of manual therapy. The positives, I guess, for me would be that we now know that manual therapy is a powerful tool in the hands of clinicians treating patients as a part of this kind of multimodal package of care with education and and exercise. And it can be safe, cost-effective, very quick to administer, 
and it helps patients to progress with their exercise in less pain faster. And, you know, James might explain a bit more of this, but we definitely know the rationale for why it's used and the reasoning is very different, moving away more from biomechanically changing someone's joint structure to this kind of almost beautifully miraculous design of the human body to provide endogenous pain relief. I think for me, the social media could be the sticking point, both from a positive and a negative point of view. The benefits are this rapid dissemination of research and the challenges would be clinicians not necessarily having the time to like critically appraise the evidence that's presented, even if it's presented in a meme, and the conclusions that are drawn and the, they might rapidly come to a conclusion without actually thinking through or rationalising why they've come to that conclusion based on what the science shows. So I think there's lots of positives in my take and James's take. Like we see, you know, physiotherapy is being very well positioned uh, with respect to manual therapy, but there is some challenges. What comes up for me there is two things. One is that that kind of sounds like a pain science explanation gone wrong for her to think that way. And then the second thing is what I'm seeing from new grads and what I'm hearing from owners is that I've got some young physios who want to be hands-off and not rebook. So I might throw to you, James, after hearing Kieran's case and how do you feel that that narrative has progressed over the last 10 years? Much like Kieran, I do a lot of second opinion work too. And for me, what I I, I think... What I've seen is, to be honest, somewhat of a regression because of the lack of training that new graduates are getting in their undergraduate curriculum. Uh, yeah, I only have to speak when we teach this manual therapy course and when I teach to our students that we take on placements in final year, is just the lack of a time to actually get the skills set up. They're taught a lot of these techniques with very little amount of time to actually practice and get skill. And you need skill, as you were saying off air, you need to be skilled in any application, whether it's an exercise or whether it's a manual therapy procedure, to actually make an impact. Now, whether that impact also is because of pain modulation, as Kieran said, or whether it's placebo, either way, if somebody's got good hands, the patient, whether that's, I'm not sure how much of that component is because people feel relaxed, people feel more comfortable, the physio is portraying confidence, you're building a better therapeutic alliance, or whether that is actually simply it is that you're better at producing some pain relief from neurophysiology. Either way, if you're not finessed and skilled, you're going to lose that impact. And a lot of them have, and even worse, is they don't know when to apply it. They also, I think, if we just turn it around the other way, also not sure when to apply treatments which are much more critical for somebody with chronic pain. I'm seeing a lot of people getting confused between persistent pain and acute pain. And I've seen cases where people have got acute pain and being treated like a persistent problem. And in fact, if you look at the evidence for a lot of the treatments they're applying, for an acute pain, a lot of those treatments are not even necessary and are being used in clients, confusing the clients. And of course, the, the young clinicians aren't getting any better. And I think that's simply because there is a lack of training at uni and also a lack of real-time experience of just not seeing enough patients in clinics to be able to see the benefits or otherwise of these interventions that they're learning through their placements. If you were to put, say, two points under what's been helpful in the last 10 years in manual therapy, the shift in narrative and what's been unhelpful, 
what would you say would go under each of those columns, James? I think the best thing easily is our understanding of how manual therapy is purported to work. And thankfully, those narratives, which you know, I've been reading a lot from a lot of the social media people, and rightfully so, the things that always never sat well with me that we were stretching scar tissue, adhesions, all those mechanical things that... To be honest, I was never taught that. I was, and I got taught by Jeff Maitland. And we never, Jeff Maitland never even taught about these things. He he believed it was pain modulation. He wasn't sure how it would work, but he's, it was never based on stretching those sort of those very mechanistic views. And I, I'm really pleased that we seem to have swung completely away from that stuff because it's not helpful. And in fact, that's the sort of stuff that can promote disability as well. So I think that's been to me the biggest change is our swing away from it being seen and seeing how it works. And as uh, Kieran said, to me, that's more exciting. It's much more exciting. When I start reading about the neurophysiological effects and the effects on beliefs and the the effects on fear, reducing fear, that stuff fits so much nicer into my paradigm of thinking, which has been very much framed from the biopsychosocial approach anyway. I think that's probably the biggest positive. The other positive, although I think even way back that was never the case, is it's never just been used as a single-mode treatment. In Australian physiotherapy, as you'd all know, we're taught that you, it's very rare we'd apply one type of intervention to a case. We use clinical reasoning to actually choose where the client, what the client needs. But that has somewhat, I think, been strengthened by the understanding of what manual therapy can do and can't do. It can reduce pain and restore range of motion very short term uh, or improve range of motion, sorry. And that's such a powerful window to give opportunities for other therapies which are much more long-lasting to give benefit. So I think that... The other two that excite that I think have been the real positives. The two negatives, I think, is just the decrease in skill set across the profession that I'm seeing in Australia compared to when we had. I think that, which I've already alluded to. And the second one is, I think, just some of the negativity about manual therapy when in fact, when you look at the evidence, it frustrates me because the evidence is quite strong. If, you, if we look at randomised trials across nearly every part of the body, both peripheral and spinal, there's good evidence for acute treatment particularly. But even short term, there's good. There's some evidence too, not albeit not as strong, for even persistent pain such as back pain. So I think that's disappointing that I think we're, we can get blinkered with our views. All, all of us can get blinkered with our views. That's just a natural way of uh, the way we're taught and the way that we're brought up. We have very narrow views at times, uh, but I think we're sometimes being very selective in what we look at with the research. Kieran, do you have anything to add to that? Maybe in, on the unhelpful side of the pendulum, but I think there is there is a little bit of I can be hands-off and I can be successful and and you probably can be. Like you were saying how you do online consults now and you, you're loving that. But James was mentioning before that they're not mutually exclusive to do manual therapy and to rebook someone and to be practicing in a BPS model. Do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, well, look, I'm, maybe I am uh, have a bit of a foot in both camps because I do almost as much telehealth as I do face-to-face. Hmm. And I think there's some patients that I've got on telehealth that I'll get to do manual therapy on themselves. And they'll look at me and go, oh, thanks so much for doing that. 
and I haven't actually done anything physical to them. So I think no matter how we slice it, in 10, 20 years' time, the fact that someone can have a restriction of movement, we abolish that pain. They can then move through a particular movement it's pretty easy to then work with the patient when their pain's gone to get them exercising. And I think it's it's a fantastic tool. So I don't see why we should ditch that. And I think it, it obviously is a problem if it becomes something the patient is perpetually relying upon. But I, I don't see that, at least in the Australian context, I, you know, having mentored hundreds of physios, I've, I can only think of a handful of circumstances where I've seen patients being passively overserviced. So I, th- I think probably, you know, as, as what, what I would say is the negative is that we just completely move away from or, or ignore that as a, a tool in our belt, that it's something that we would just lose. I, I would hate to see that, especially knowing, you know, I always think, what does the patient want? And I think patients love it. And I think we can use that as a part of our armory to change them towards self-management. So there's so many wonderful young physiotherapists who are doing their absolute best to follow the evidence and follow mentors and reading people on social media. And they are shifting towards that I don't need to use my hands or I'm going to disseminate the advice and we'll see how they go. What would be each of your tips with, say, a minute left each to apply manual therapy in that BPS lens? How how would you do that for someone who's potentially feeling disillusioned or straying away from that? I might start with you, James, and end on Kieran. So, Look, if they're disillusioned with it, it's very hard to change that without them actually being... I think the first thing is to give them the opportunities to see the benefits that it can give them. And I think also just also use it with your clients to actually see if it actually... I'd say some look, have a go and see whether it actually changes every time you see a client, whether it changes outcomes. And one of the simplest ones I talk about is people who need you know, booster sessions because a lot of our clients with persistent pain often need those booster sessions over a period of time. And it's a much harder sell to tell a client, look, come in, we're going to check on your thoughts and beliefs. We're going to check on your exercises. But if you say to them, I'm also going to have a feel of your joints, have a feel of how your muscles and everything that we, t- we were treating before feels, see if that changes the amount of clients that rebook to have those critical booster sessions. And I'd say, look, do that as, a, in, as your own little study. See whether actually just throwing that extra bit in can make a difference because I think that can give the client a way in to do the things that they really need to do. You know, it's the old saying, give the client what they want to give them what they need, even with persistent. And I think that would be a useful thing, I think, for a young physio who's probably a bit sceptical just to see if it changes the outcomes on a more global way by doing something which is potentially low value in the long term, but give them something long, but be able to allow allow them to do the long-term work as a result of offering that. That's a good reflection. I I feel you're not going to lose out by adding it because you're still doing the other things in the treatment. Kieran, what would you add to that? Yeah, look, uh, both James and I have been very fortunate to be extensively mentored by world expert researchers and clinicians particularly on the topic of manual therapy. And so we've had our own views sharpened and challenged and we independently mentor others. And it can be good as an outsider looking in to just give these kind of alternative complementary or even contradictory views. So look, I would encourage listeners to seek mentorships 
training from experienced and, and trained clinicians who are empathetic, gracious, but purposefully challenge your thinking and behavior to help to see if you've got any blind spots. And it might sound intense, but it is, it is really a good way to go. I would try to find, if you're online, try to find the common points of agreement with those who even disagree with you, whether they be extreme hands-on or extreme hands-off, because you'll often find in reality, there's actually a lot more in common that you have with them. And so be careful spending too much time on social media, full stop, um, trying to argue with someone you know, away from their views. But And both James and I kind of take this gracious, gentle, and balanced discussion with people. And then you'll often see that there's a lot more that you have in common and you can build on your professional development journey together. Thank you so much, gentlemen, for your time tonight. And you're actually both touring Australia. It's uh, August at the time of recording. If COVID goes away, where can people find more about what you guys are teaching? Yeah, so listeners can go to a website that we've created where we've got all our face-to-face courses uh, for the upcoming year and our online two-day course that's been very popular that's also on globalspecialistphysio.com forward slash manual therapy and then you'll find all the information about the manual to great therapy that's i'm glad you added that last bit because i think that's the bit that will get people over the line so thank you so much for your time tonight gents no worries michael thanks michael